some point that's bringing art past it's bringing it outside of just you and making it into something that like everyone can digest and glean something from so i think that's an important piece of art where obviously you're losing a little part of the individuality of it or it just meaning something to you it's like your work but also your editors have a little say and like it becomes like this bigger piece of art in my mind than something that just you created my beautiful gumptioneers and welcome back to gumption this is our 10th episode which is so exciting for me because we're in double digits like what the heck i'm really proud to have kept it up for five months as of yesterday and conducted 10 amazing interviews had more than 10 guests on the pod and the excitement just keeps growing i have a great lineup of guests in our upcoming episodes but i really want you guys to bask in the knowledge and insight and just really smart and unique perspectives of our guests this week Maeve Schumacher is someone I met at Villanova and she just really amazed me with her vulnerability on social media and just being a very empathic and kind person while also being a woman in STEM, kicking ass in that regard, being super smart and learning about neuroscience. Like that's, that amazes me. That is so difficult, but it really brings such an interesting perspective to her writing. So I want you guys to hear all about her writing journey, how she got to the point where she's going to be publishing her book coming in March. My Kind of Mind is her first book, and it's a self-published collection of poetry. So I'm really excited for you guys to hear her read one of her poems, English Violet, during this episode, and tell me all about her process and how she got there. So I hope you enjoy. Even if you're not a writer, don't go. I think you can really learn a lot from what Maeve had to say and maybe apply it to your own life, try something new like journaling or just kind of use those processes to think through experiences and maybe change the way you look at the world. So without further ado, here's episode 10 featuring writer Maeve. I hate when it does that. I don't know if it does it on your end too, but it'll be like recording in progress. No, it does. And it always does that when I'm in like big Zoom meetings at work. Oh my gosh presentation or something and it's like 200 people and I'm like oh this is okay (laughs) so normally I'll begin with a brief how did I meet this person and like how do we know each other but I feel like for you and I it's kind of interesting because I think we sort of met through Instagram but also like mutual friends so well part of it I feel like was us both being like creative people and I kind of like recognized that in you and I was like oh this is so cool like there's so many things that like I felt like I could talk to you about that other people wouldn't get sometimes yeah that was like really cool to me where like we kind of met through mutual friends but a lot of it on my side was like oh I recognize you as a really creative force on campus when we were in college so I thought that was really cool and like yeah I don't know yeah I definitely appreciate that you know I think it's really interesting with the way some people use social media, like I try to be very authentic and I get a similar vibe from your Instagram and your writing account, which we'll talk about later. But you can kind of tell when someone's using it as a creative outlet and when someone's using it just to catch their friends up on their life. So it's always fun to see someone's work and that and be like, oh, I bet we would 
be able to do a writing workshop together, even though I barely know you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's kind of a cool thing to recognize in each other. That it's not just like, oh, like her outfit's so cute. I want to be friends with her. It's like, no, I really recognize your vulnerability on social media platforms. And I feel like that draws people in in a different way. Yeah, to a certain degree, especially with the rise of influencer culture and everything, I don't see a ton of vulnerability. It's kind of just my routine and like the products I love. And that's great. Yeah. And all, but definitely putting your whether it's writing or art or even like photography, anything that you've created, sharing that and putting it out into the world, being open for criticism is always a little bit scary. So whenever I see someone else doing that, I'm like, okay, She's legit. Like, she's yeah. cool. It's like, it's not just me. Yeah, like, when I was preparing for this episode, which I guess I'm, like, getting ahead of myself now, but I was <laughs> like, you know, like, even when you do stuff like that from the outside looking in, people are like, oh, you're so brave. And I'm like, no, I'm, like, really scared, but I'm just doing it anyway, so. Yeah, no kidding. I've had people say that to me, too, and I'm kind of like, is that a veiled insult that you're like, yeah. oh, you're brave <laughs> <laughs> for sharing like, your art? Like you're doing that. <laughs> but I do understand. I guess it's kind of like, oh, you really don't care what people think. And I do, but that's not going to stop me from sharing it. Because yeah. to me, it's worth it if one person swipes up or, or comments or something and is like, this resonated with me. I really relate to this or this is really cool. That's enough to keep me going with like yeah. my creative juices. So <laughs> I agree. Yeah. And that's how I felt when me and my friend Sydney did podcast during quarantine yeah I listened to that yeah it was very small and we just did it it was a fun thing because we were always like talking on the phone for two hours anyways we were like why not just put it out there but I felt like okay even if people are judging me like oh this is weird it's a two-second judgment for them but the people that it's actually really impacting and meaning a lot to it has a much bigger impact anyways even if some people don't like it like they forget about it in two seconds because they're scrolling, you know? That's so true. And also with podcasting, I have definitely gone through phases where I'm like, oh, what if people are like making fun of it? What if they think it's stupid? And then I'm like, well, actually they're still listening. So if yeah. you're giving me like listens, Pay attention to it. Yeah. That's fine by me. I guess a good way to get into the subject of writing would be what was your major at Villanova? Since we went to the same school, we can yeah. maybe talk about that a little bit. So my major had nothing to do with writing. I was a neuroscience major. Love um, that. So even my professional path now is in psychology. And I want to get my PhD in psychology and be a professor and totally separate from this whole writing realm that I've created for myself. And a lot of that stemmed from like, I always loved to write when I was a kid. Through high school and college, I journaled religiously. I'm on my 13th or 14th journal now. Same. <laughs> but when I was growing up, I was always like, I want to be an author. I want to be a writer, whatever. And I don't necessarily slight my family or older people for saying this to me, but they're like, you know, that's a side hustle thing. You shouldn't pursue English or journalism in college, which mm -hmm. I was always like, oh, you don't understand me, blah, 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 whatever. And now looking back, I found another field that I love and I can do both. Yeah. Which I've just made that happen because I've been stubborn about writing, even if I felt I couldn't major in that. But, you know, I was always consistently told, oh, you're a really good writer. You have such a gift, but go do something else, you know? So it was like this weird dichotomy where oh, you should do something else, even though you're good at this. So I really stuck with it 
stubbornly because I found so much joy in it, even if I didn't major in it. I'm in the science psych realm. I have a similar academic slash career path. I mean, I started at Villanova as an astronomy major and was set on working for NASA. Like that was always my dream. I wanted to be in that field. And I ended up not liking it just because the career itself wasn't what I had envisioned it to be. It was a lot more solitary and isolated and a lot of screen time, like just coding and stuff. And that just wasn't the particular thing that drew me to astronomy in the first place. But then I switched to English and everyone was always like, whoa, that's such a weird change in path. And to me, it just made sense because I loved writing and I loved reading. And I was like, well, I mean, it might seem weird to you, but writing has always been my side thing. I want to go back to something you said about the weird dichotomy of people recognizing your talent and your gift for writing, which is definitely a common thing in writers that you do it from when you're young and it is a part of your life at every stage, whether that's journaling, like you said, in school, teachers telling you like you have a talent for this, whatever. People tend to think that authorship is very unattainable. And I do understand that with the way the publishing industry is and everything. But now with self-publishing, I feel like that's just changed the game. Yeah, it was so weird that writing was so natural for me and such a natural gift that was given to who I am as a person. This really helped me sort through my emotions. Like there's so many things that I love about it, but it was seen as like too risky. And now I look back and I don't regret that because I'm like, I know one of the things I wanted to do was journalism Mm -hmm. and whether we like it or not, newspapers are dying. Yeah. So that might not be stable. Plus writing newspaper articles forever is not fun unless you want yeah. to do it over and over. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. So it's interesting because I look back and I'm like, I wouldn't change it, but I definitely had to do things like on my own and almost keep things to myself uh, until I found other people who understood my experience because my family is a very oriented, support yourself kind of family. It definitely made my path look a lot different than if I had just been an English major from the start or something. Yeah. Even for you, like you were saying, how you switched to it, um, you know, just changed my outlook on things, changed my college experience. Now what my writing career looks like. And, you know, I think something you said about like sorting through emotions, and that's one thing that draws you to writing. I definitely relate to that. And I think it's an undervalued aspect of writing. People tend to focus a lot on the finished product, like a a poem or a book, obviously, if you're many, many steps ahead of where most people are with their writing. But I think the act of doing it and using it as an outlet to figure out what you're even thinking is valuable in itself. But that doesn't tend to be the focus of people often. Yeah, well, sometimes with that emotional piece, especially as I've been like, editing my book and doing all of these iterations of editing, like I hate editing. I wish I could just write something and never have to edit it and just put it out there and whatever. But I know that it's a necessary part of the process and it makes things better. So I've been going through all my editing and I think that that initial piece that you have where you're spitballing all of your emotions and just trying to get it out is like very much, it feels like for me or like for you as an individual, right? But then as I go through and edit things, 
it's taking other people's like perspectives and how they might read something yeah making it land for more people or make sense to more people I write something and it makes perfect sense to me but my friend will be like oh you need to clarify this thing or like whatever and I'm like you're totally right but that isn't stemming from my emotional component that's making it more readable. That's such a good way to put it because I also hate editing. Yeah. That <laughs> was like, really <laughs> yeah, it was one of the hardest things in my English major. I would write something for class and then we'd come in and everyone would exchange their pieces. And I loved reading other people's work and even giving comments, like yeah. not even critiques, just like, oh, I love the way you said this. But then getting your own work back and someone crossing out the one line that you were like, oh, this is the best line. Yeah. Someone's like, that makes no sense. It is important to think about the reader and, and how they're going to see something because maybe that obscure phrase that you used has so much meaning to you, but it just is like, doesn't affect other people. At some point that's bringing art past, it's bringing it outside of just you and making it into something that like everyone can digest and glean something from. So I think that's an important piece of art where obviously you're losing a little part of the individuality of it or it just meaning something to you. It's like your work, but also your editors have a little say and like, you know what I mean? So it, it becomes like this bigger piece of art in my mind than something that just you created. I love that. And, you know, with the journaling piece too, I used to journal a lot in high school and I kind of fell off of it. It was sort of a phase for me where I was not, wanting to share my writing like I just wanted to do it and get it on the page and be able to look back on it and be like wow okay at that time this is how I was feeling about this person or this thing that happened to me and now I'm really glad that it's become more of a creative process like you said with editors and other people bringing the communal aspect because that's just as important Mm -hmm. and I think sometimes like it doesn't always have to be that communal aspect like sometimes with journaling I'm like I want to keep this just to myself forever because then I feel like I can just like really say what's on my mind. But then with other things, if I really want this poetry to hit home with many people and have it resonate with other people and other readers, like it resonates with me when I wrote it, then I need to like generalize it outside of myself. I think as much as editing sucks sometimes and like making things outside of yourself. Not everything has to be like that either. Sometimes I write a poem and I'm like, you know what, I'm just gonna keep this for me. I'm not gonna post anywhere, I'm not gonna publish it. It's just gonna be something that means something to me and I'm not gonna change it. Um, so I, I think that is totally okay. That's such a good balance. I kind of want to talk about how did you sort of land on this style of poetry that you currently do? Because I personally think your style is really unique. It's very conversational, but also artistic. And it feels like it draws from traditional poetry techniques, but also just speaking. So I'm curious if that evolved to that point, or if that's sort of always how you've written. I just want to know more about that. Yeah, that's kind of My poetry style, I would say, is something I stumbled into. It wasn't necessarily intentional when I read poetry that isn't this narrative style that I do. I'm like, oh, what are they talking about? Like, I want to see the image. I want to be put right in whatever situation the author is talking about. So I didn't actually start writing poetry until COVID in 2020. So 
when COVID first hit, I was really overwhelmed. Lots of emotions going on in my brain all the time and writing is my way to get that out. So I was working one day and this poem that ended up being my first published poem just kind of popped up in my mind. The idea popped up and I was like, all right, I'm just going to take a second, like try and figure this out. This like stumbling into it notion was a lot of me saying, should I be responding to an email right now? Yes, but I'm <laughs> going to give myself 20 minutes to just like see where this idea goes and then I'll get back to my other stuff. I love that because it makes me think of like, okay, an old fashioned poetry, old, old, like the, what are those called? Epics or whatever. They talk about the muses. That's kind of a common theme of classical poetry, but it sounds to me like the modern version of that is literally what you just said. You're doing something, an everyday task, and an idea just pops into your head. It comes to you. And I think probably what differentiates artists or writers from normal people is that they humor that idea and take a second to stop what you're doing and write it down. It's always like the most impossibly inconvenient time, like you're driving or something and you're like, oh, Siri, like, you know, yeah. oh, now she's listening because she thinks I'm talking to her. The moment where you're like, I'm going to stop and write that down, even if it never sees the light of day again. I just think that's super cool. A lot of it with art, you think that it's really intentional, like, I'm really thinking about form as I'm writing this thing. And as I go into it, I know exactly what I want to write about. And honestly, I, there's probably like two poems in my whole book that I've approached in that fashion. Cause I took a poetry class after I started really writing a lot of poetry. I took a class first semester of senior year and I loved it and it really helped me grow. And a lot of it was, about form honestly and mm -hmm. a more rigid framework than I'm used to so I'm used to just letting myself spitball get it out whatever I need to do to like weave a certain image or motion in there and then mm -hmm. this professor that I had really pushed me to be like oh you have to fit these things into a form which I don't like but it really helped very me difficult as a writer you know so, so I was like I don't like this but it's really helping me grow so I wrote some of my best pieces, in my opinion, in that class, because I was forced to like narrow myself into certain ideas or certain forms. Sometimes it takes one silo of it, takes the, okay, I have this idea and it might not be convenient, but I'm going to write it down. And then the other half, the other silo of it would be saying like, okay, maybe I don't want to fit this into a form, but let's just see what happens if I do. Or maybe I don't want to think about it this way, but let's just see what happens. It can really grow from there. Like we were saying, you know, editing isn't fun always, but you can get some of your best ideas from it too. Absolutely. And the thing about form, I took a, I think it was called Art of Verse and it was a poetry class, but it was like specifically rhyming poetry and like traditional forms. And similarly, I found it really difficult to organize my thoughts in that way because Every time I felt like I was getting somewhere, I was like, oh, it has to rhyme or it has to fit within this, you know, pentameter or something. But it is kind of a cool exercise in actually figuring out what you're trying to say. Because like when you have to be so rigid and abide by those rules, you're like, well, no, I can't say that because that's not actually where I'm trying to go. So it does make you think more. I like 
that you do it both ways because I think sticking in one writing style, that's how I get stuck. Whenever I just keep doing the same thing, I come up dry for ideas. I have to break myself out of that sometimes because you just get into your little routine and your brain's like, well, I got nothing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of what I write about is experiences that happen and trigger an emotional response, good or bad for me. I need to write something about this. But if things are relatively stable or something that I'm doing doesn't inspire a piece that I'm like, oh, maybe I should try like this form and see what I can think up of for that because some big emotionally triggering thing isn't going to happen every single day. Yeah. (laughs) It's hard to say, this is how we should do it. This is how we shouldn't. I feel like a lot of artists is trying things on and seeing if it works for you. (laughs) Absolutely. It's also interesting to hear you say that about your poems, that a lot of them are about really personal, emotional things. I've read pretty much all your poems that you've posted on your Instagram and obviously the ones you've sent me in the process of doing your book and stuff. And some of the ones that I know the most are... Like, for example, you worked at Rosie's, right? For a little while. I really vividly remember that one that you posted. I love that one. It's so good. (laughs) It's so good. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it didn't strike me as emotional. But I was kind of just like, wow, she's a really good observer of people. And I think that's definitely something I also draw inspiration from. Going to the post office and seeing two people interacting. And you're like, wait, there's something here. Watching the world unfold in front of you and knowing how to put that to words, even if it's not necessarily personal to you, I think is something you definitely have a talent for. I do feel like I have to elaborate on my like emotional experience with English Violet, for example, which is the Rosie's poem, or if I was in the post office and saw two people interacting, even though those aren't externally really emotional things, in my mind, it'll still ping me as, oh, oh my gosh, I see a dad and his daughter. And that is a really emotional experience for me in my head, even if on the outside, it's just like regular mundane day. So a lot of what I've learned about myself through lots of therapy and lots of writing is that I have all these emotional responses in my head to like regular things. So I'm just a very highly emotional person. And a lot of my writing about mundane things probably pinged me as an emotional time, even if it wouldn't be like an emotional experience to anyone else. I think that's cool because it challenges your readers to see things in a different way too. Like even if they're not as overtly feel things as strong as you, if they read your poem about two random strangers, then it might influence the way they observe the world and the way they feel about things. I constantly am thinking back to things that I read, poems that really struck me, especially ones I didn't relate to. Sometimes I keep thinking about those and I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. I've never thought about that that way or experienced that emotion. So I think that's one of the powers of writing is that even if someone doesn't connect to the piece on a personal level, they can open their mind to seeing it in a new way. And we're giving them a glimpse into our brain works that makes everyone more empathetic yes Um, yeah I think it's good just to be like I know you might not understand how I think I understand that me having an emotional reaction to a non-emotional 
stimulus or something sometimes people are like what the heck babe just get it together you know <laughs> so being able to like give a little glimpse into that I think makes everyone a little more empathetic and well rounded it definitely does that that was a very psychology thing to say but I yeah exactly <laughs> so that's why I like psych too you know <laughs> yeah I definitely do feel like the way social media is it's very easy to see into other people's lives or what they project of their lives there's always this undertone to that culture of like oh like you need to chill be chill keep your emotions within you that's crazy especially with women I just think that it makes it more difficult for people to express themselves because like you're constantly seeing other people doing well or being with their friends. I've always rejected that idea of like, we need to chill. We need to keep it to ourselves because sometimes your brain just needs to let it out. And for people who don't have a creative outlet, I wonder how that affects them. I agree with you because I know one of the things that you texted me about before the show was social media influencing my writing an author journey yes and when I was thinking about it I was like sharing my writing on social media scares me shitless still and it has okay. always been so nerve-wracking and felt so vulnerable and I also feel very empowered when people read it and are like maybe I was really touched by this I love this thank you for sharing your work but being scared of failing means that you really care about what you're doing, right? So since I care so much about this piece of my life, I'm always a little nervous. And it's like really hard to put yourself out there in such a vulnerable state when other people can be like, you need to just relax, putting too much of yourself out there. People know too much or, you know, you're too vulnerable. And I'm like, I don't think that's a bad thing. You know, if I don't think it's possible to be too yeah. vulnerable. I think it's like the only way we can take back the way social media has affected our generation, the fake aspects of it. The only way to really reverse that is by people who are like, you know, I'm actually scared to share this poem, but I'm going to do it anyway, because if one person is affected by it, then that's really smart. I love that perspective because when I'm on the receiving end of those things, obviously you're just scrolling through people like with their friends, like what vacation they're on. But when I see some form of art or some vulnerable post, I always feel a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So it's scary on our end, but to the people who really value vulnerability, which is most people, it really means a lot to see other people doing the same thing. So as scary as it is, we're not succumbing to the culture of our young lives that tells us that we just need to project this perfect yeah who looks so cute and has cute outfits all the time and always has her makeup done and struggles with nothing you know <laughs> yeah for real no seriously <laughs> I'm definitely a perfectionist even with my writing which is supposed to be as we've said, an outlet, it's supposed to be something that helps to process different experiences and emotions. Sometimes I'm even like, oh, I'm not writing enough. Like I'm not writing enough good stuff, which what does that even mean? Just writing it in itself is good. And other times, like you said before, it's not going to be shared. That fear does creep in. I feel like just because of hustle culture. At some point that culture works for some people. Yes. But I'm a person who needs a break. I sometimes need to step away to get my best ideas. 
you know, so we're in this like crazy New York City hustle. Nobody ever sleeps. Yeah. Midnight, whatever culture. But that isn't really conducive to art and some of our best thinking. Because sometimes you need to take a step away and be in nature or you have like a relaxing day to rejuvenate your mind. And also, as you said earlier, it doesn't always fit into a schedule. Like the idea could strike you literally at any time. And while I definitely don't think there's anything wrong with incorporating something like writing into a daily routine, like I try to do that. I try to write in the morning, sometimes before work. Sometimes you can't get anything until it hits you at a random time and you have to just go ride that wave. Like you can't try to put it into a 15 minute window. You know what I mean? And it's still worth showing up for that before work writing time, but that doesn't mean that's the only time that something good is going to come from your writing. Absolutely. Um, Nice as it is to have this third framework that doesn't always work. Yeah. Give yourself the grace to be like, okay, I'm allowed to write something that's absolutely horrible just to get in my routine, you know? Yes. I can read English Violet for you since that's your favorite. Yay, yay. (laughs) Okay, okay. So you started writing poetry throughout the pandemic, obviously started sharing that on Instagram, which I'm so glad you did. But how did you get to the point where you thought you wanted to start compiling those pieces into a book? Yeah, so I've always always wanted to publish a book like I said earlier and like we were kind of talking about ever since we were kids it's just been something oh I want to be an author I want to be an author so when I started writing poetry and getting a lot of it published I started developing more and more confidence in myself as a writer which I didn't necessarily have before I was like I know I'm a good writer I can do this I didn't feel like it was something that other people would want to read until I actually put it out there. So as I started getting published more and more and sharing my work more and more and getting a lot of positive feedback, obviously I would continue writing because it felt good to get positive responses. So as I went through this hamster wheel, it gets published or write something and then I'm getting a lot of feedback. I really started prioritizing my writing more and that caused me to write a ton of stuff, good or bad. I just wrote so much in the past three years of my life. So Last summer, I looked at everything that I have and I was like, wow, I have a lot of work here. I really could compile this into a collection. Yeah. I have to be real collection of stuff. And I have always wanted to publish a book. So I said, you know what? This is the dream. I'll just put together a draft and see how it would look and maybe what order I would put things in and just put it all on a big Word doc. So since then, I'm on my sixth or seventh version of it. So it's changed a ton. I've taken out a bunch of stuff. I've added in a bunch of stuff. I had Lily and other people do art for it. I had a bunch of people edit it, all this stuff. So it's really grown into something that now I feel is really worthy of publishing. But starting out, like how I said, I kind of stumbled into poetry. I also kind of stumbled into this book where at first I just said, all right, numbers wise, I've got a ton here that could be put together into a book. Keep working on it a little bit, get my confidence up by showing other people, oh, this is like first version of my book. What do you think? You can read it. Here's a draft. As I started 
letting myself like create these different iterations of what the book would look like and started telling my friends, I'm thinking of doing this. Would you be able to help me? I kind of just grew into it. So the book has grown with me as a writer, as I've developed a more profound writing style, just become a better writer by taking this poetry class, by sharing my stuff, by talking to other creative people. And now it's growing into something that I really am proud to publish and excited to publish because so much work has gone into it. But when I started, it was very haphazard. Here's some photos that would maybe go with some of the stuff, random research about self-publishing. Like really, it was very haphazard. I'm a pretty organized person usually. And sometimes people assume like, oh, you must have just been like, this is exactly what it's going to look like. And this is exactly how I'm going to do it from the get go. Mm -mm. It was very much me stumbling into it. That's so interesting. That's fascinating to me because hey, I texted you about this because I was like, she yeah. would definitely understand. I was looking at my poems the other day and I was like, woo, I got a lot going on in this folder. So maybe I would put them together into a collection or something. But I love that you kind of just did it because I mean, not to invoke the name of my podcast, but gumption is sometimes you just have to start and you have no idea how it's going to look. You just have to jump into it and literally create a draft, throw all the poems into one thing and move them around. And that's the definition of it for me, especially when it pertains to writing. So I love that you did that. Although how have you tried to bring continuity to all the different poems? Because I'm sure the topics were wide ranging. How do you make that make sense in the order and the themes that worked together? So I would say that's been one of my biggest struggles with the book because a lot of what I'm drawing on are all these different experiences. I have a bunch of different forms. Who knows? So I was trying to group my different poems into three sections of the book. I put it off for so long. I do not know what to do. I don't know what to put together. And I'm still in the process of being like, I don't know if this is going to be perfect, but what I've tried to do is have the book be a bit of an emotional journey. So sometimes if I have um, like one poem that is over me really being upset, then I'll try and follow that with something that I'm like, oh, but it actually turned out well. And here's the flip side of how I felt. So like some yeah. poems that I've written are about love, life, BS from the past four years of my life, right? So there's this one poem that I have about this horrible ex-boyfriend that I dated in high school and whatever he just sucked and I <laughs> still get mad about it sometimes and not even mad at him but just like oh, I was so yes. mad this guy was such a jerk and did not deserve me and now I'm dating literally the best person ever like him. he's amazing I want to follow up this poem with one about how much I love my current boyfriend and that Aww. is like a total 180 but I love that because you can turn the page and while you had to live through that and go through years of kind of thinking about that experience to get where you are now, the reader has the experience of being like, yeah, that sucks. And then they can turn the page and there's happy poem. It is so cool. I love that. Yeah. Um, like, uh, Like some of it with putting the book together, like you said, you're a perfectionist. I'm a perfectionist too. And at some points I've just wanted it to be done. Like I'm just going to publish it. And my mom has slowed me down. She's been like, I know you're impatient, but (laughs) 
if you put your entire heart and soul into this and make it exactly the way you want it, then you'll be happier with it in the long run. Which yeah. Is but now I'm getting to the point where I really have put my whole heart and soul into it. And I know that not everything's going to be perfect. So I've come to a place of acceptance. It's the best I can do. It's going to be good. It's going to be great. I loved reading the first draft. I'm excited because obviously my illustrations will be in there. So that's fun and exciting to be part of that publication. But also I'm excited to read where it's at now from where it began. I think it'll be really neat and I love your poems, so I can't wait. But when is the release date? How can we, the listeners of Gumption, access My Kind of Mind? Mm -hmm. It's going to be in March and sometime in March. So I will announce the exact date on my poetry Instagram, writer Maeve. It might be like writer.maeve. I don't know. I won't know the exact release date until I finish the formatting. And it's going to be on Amazon. So I'm actually doing self-publishing for my first collection. I'm probably going to look into actual publishing houses later down the road if I want to but I was really going back and forth between that and self-publishing for this book and I said ultimately I want this to be all my own I don't want anybody else's say but the people that I choose it's going to be on Amazon so you'll be able to buy it through Amazon get it on your Kindle or something like that as well as I'm going to have it in a bunch of like small businesses in Baltimore and Philly that's so cool it'll be rolled out like in person as well but the easiest way to get it quickly and to wherever you live would probably be via amazon that is amazing i'm super excited and i will be ordering it as soon as possible (laughs) (laughs) but i think maybe a good way to close would be reading whatever poem you choose whether that's english violet or not i'm just excited to I pulled up English Violet for you. I'm going to do it because you said that's your favorite. Um, Yeah, I do love that one. Yeah, and this is one of my favorite ones too. So, I mean, we already talked about this a little bit before, but for those who aren't familiar with my work, this is stemming from this job that I had at Villanova. My work at a coffee shop, junior and senior year, absolutely loved. And we made acai bowls. I hated making acai bowls for people. (laughs) They're a total pain in the ass. I just wanted to make everybody coffee. So um, (laughs) this was like stemming from that when I would get fed up. about making us bowls for everyone. So this is English Violet. The forest green front door squeaks open and 10 footsteps plump into our narrow shop entrance. Lululemon rounds the corner and I know what's coming. No time to prepare. No way to shrink behind the gleaming red steel of the espresso machine that I wish I used more before there's five new acai bowls tacked to my to-do list. Five frozen packs of English Violet sucking me down into the blender's whirlpool and turning me on my head again. I'm like the face of an uncooked pancake, bubbling then slapped onto the hot singe of a blue speckled pan from home goods. Five purple plastic spatulas, pressing me down harder still. Strawberries on this one, blueberries on that one. Can you double the granola and don't forget my Nutella? It brings me back to my days as the designated pregame braider for St. Vitor soccer, denting the inside of my cheek with my molars when the new freshman's shiny straight hair slips through my fingers pinch. English violet mocks my Irish roots as it spins and spews inside the blender's walls, a clear-cut prison. Our fridge full of English violet acai. I'm not sure how you've managed to make yourself so at home in the quaint coffee shop that's supposed to be more mine than yours. You're like my roommate's new lover 
lacing their fingers into hers and yanking her away from me. A chunk of ice snickers at me as it leans its back against the blender's corner. I jam the tamp up and down, up and down more fervently than when I'm trying to make the morning of someone I might love. It keeps dodging me and I give up, scooping the unscathed block out of the English violet goo and slinging it into the trash can with an abrupt thud. I don't forget the Nutella and soon the forest green front door is creaking open again. Behind the counter is a mess. English violets splattered on the windows, on the gleaming red steel, on my t-shirt. Thank you. <laughs> Love that poem. It's so good. Yeah, I actually hadn't read it in a while, so it's so cool to hear you read it. Thank the you. Rights. Thank you. I was going to say, I was like, I haven't read it in a long time, so that felt nice. <laughs> I messed up. <laughs> No, it sounded great. It sounded great. Thank you. But thank you so much for being down to be on this podcast and sharing some of your advice and, and writing insights and inspirations. Even people who aren't writers can definitely learn a lot from everything you said. So I'm just really glad that you were willing to be on. Well, thank you, Lily, for having me. And thank you for doing some of the art for my book. I know that Everyone who listens to the podcast should be looking forward to that too. It's gorgeous. So thank um, you. I'm excited to have done this and get to chat with you. This was a lot of fun. All right, folks, there you have it. That was episode number 10. You all need to follow Maeve's writer account on Instagram. It's at writer.mave, M-A-E-V-E. And you should follow her personal account while you're at it because I love that Squidward is a meme in her profile picture. We love a SpongeBob queen. She also hosts a podcast called Pocket Poetry where she reads her own poems, which as someone who loves to listen to writers read what they've written, it's just really cool to hear how the poem was intended to be read. Call me a nerd, whatever, I don't care. You should listen to that too. All this is linked in the description of the episode and make sure you check out her first book, My Kind of Mind, when it comes out in March. My illustrations will be in there too and these will be my first illustrations published in anything besides like a school writer's magazine or literary magazine so this is a big moment for two budding artists and you guys should really support as always keep following gumption on instagram for any updates or exciting happenstance we've got going on and this is your host lil signing out love you guys bye